Welcome to the Mortgage and Mindset in Minutes podcast with host Tiffany Rose, where you'll get a little on mortgage and a lot on mindset. Because with anything in life, you can only do it with the right approach. Tiffany Rose went from average earner to seven figures and beyond lifestyle by using the insight she shares. The Mortgage and Mindset in Minutes podcast with Tiffany Rose demonstrates that gratitude and attitude are your ticket to powerful success. All right. So today we are going to talk a little bit about money, happiness, and I'm going to throw in a little tidbit of proof that vision boards are magical. So we are here today with Rabbi Daniel Lappin, and I have read his book. Um, I followed him. His book, Business Secrets from the Bible, is amazing. I've learned so much from it, and I really am honored that he is coming on today to uh, talk to us. So thank you so much for being with us. It's a pleasure. I've been so intrigued with your own journey of growth. Yes, it has been quite a journey and your lessons and things that you've taught me have helped me along that journey. So again, I'm honored that you're going to be a part of this today. Well, it's a pleasure. I must tell you, you, you wrote a, uh, a beautiful and irresistible letter to me. So, uh, uh, so that's why I'm here. Oh my gosh, thank you. And the reason why I wrote him, everybody, is because He is front and center. His book cover, Business Secrets from the Bible, is on my vision board. And I look at it every day. I put it on there because I really wanted to remember the lessons that I learned in that book because there were so many about serving people. Um, You don't necessarily have to be a volunteer, someone. Just If you're being productive in the world, that's serving others. And there's been a lot of change in my career because of his book. So I put that on my vision board so I never forget because over time, after you listen to a book or after you watch a good documentary, you just kind of forget. So I really wanted to bring him on to talk a little bit more about his next book. which we'll um, I just, Can I just ask one question before you go on? Please share with me how you use your vision board. I, I found the picture of it uh, very interesting indeed. And I was uh, obviously gratified to see my book, Business Secrets from the Bible, <laughs> right, as you say, front and center. Uh, tell me how you use the vision board and, and the difference it's made in your life. So my vision board, I put all of the things that I want to happen. So one of them was like, take advantage of your backyard, because I promised myself I would build my pool house that I wanted and get a new spa and have this pool with the awesome pool light. And I put those kind of things that I want to happen And it just reminds me to keep pushing harder and working harder to do that for my family, for my children, to build memories. So that was um, one of the things. I also put things on there that I don't want to forget. So things that are front, you know, the door of gratitude, um, notes that I've written about being grateful in the morning because you people tend to slip in and out of habits. And when you have that, I actually have it in my bathroom. So every morning when I wake up and I go in there, I just look at it and I just kind of glance through all the things on it. And it's just amazing that you were one of the first people to respond to endorse my book, Universe of Speaking, and to also agree to do this podcast. So it really proves that vision boards are magical. I don't understand exactly how they work. It's law of attraction. It's God. It's spirit. It's all of the above. But you were right there. And I saw your email pop up and I just went, thank you. So it made you not only write a letter to me, but it made you put time and trouble into the letter that was you didn't just scroll that off. I bet you edited and corrected it because by the time I received it, um, it was really well written. 
Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm so appreciative. And yes, so everybody, vision boards work. So do it. Look it up. I'll maybe do a podcast on it. But for right now, we're going to come back to Rabbi Lappin and we're going to talk about, this is a super important topic. So the role that money has with happiness in life. So give me your insight on that. Well, uh, that's a, uh, it's a big topic, of course, because what does everybody say? Money can't buy you happiness. That's what everyone says, right? And um, there has to be a little bit of a deeper dive into that topic because uh, if money can't buy you happiness and we all want to be happy, then why are so many people trying to get more money? So obviously people do not believe that money can't buy you happiness because otherwise they wouldn't be trying to get it. Right. Then also what's very important is to recognize that money beyond a certain amount doesn't add substantially to happiness. That's true. But that amount is quite high, obviously different for different people, but it's not, hey, you know, when I got enough to pay my rent and, uh, and pay my grocery bills and put gas in my car, I'm happy. That's all I need. That would not be true. People want considerably more than that savings, um, insurance, some sense of security, and also discretionary spending on that pool or that pool house that everyone has their own version of a pool or a pool house. And it's also very important. The point is that after a certain amount, then adding beyond that doesn't add significantly to happiness. But that is largely irrelevant because most people easily most people are not yet at that basic amount. So we don't have to pay any attention to that. But what we do have to pay attention to is that there is a huge difference between money you get and money you earn. Yes. And so if that were not true, it's very easily demonstrated by something I think we all know. You, you will tell me if this is something you feel that people know about, but that is that lottery winners generally do badly after a period of time. Yes, I've heard that many times. Uh, it's extremely difficult, really difficult to find lottery winners who tell you that their lives improved after winning the lottery. They improve in the immediate aftermath of the lottery in the first one to two months. And after that, deterioration. They, they're not, you know, it messes up their lives. Everybody acknowledges that. And so money you get, money you just inherit, although inheritance is not quite the same as a lottery, because for a lottery, you really did nothing. Mm -hmm. For an inheritance, it is possible that you have a long history as a, a loving son or a devoted daughter yeah. That uh, that may so it, it's not quite in the same category, but nothing even closely like that compares uh, to earned money. So that's a big difference. Money you get does not make you happy. That is true. Money you earn makes you hugely happy. And I think that that is such a big point because you have to be balanced and grounded, and you have to know why do you want this money? Who are you going to help? Is it with your children? Are you resourceful? It's great to have resources like money, but are you resourceful where you know how to save and place that money? And 
make sure that you um, use it in a respectful way to serve others. And Well, actually, I'm going to disagree with you on that. Okay, tell me. Earning money is satisfying regardless of what you do with it. And I think this is really important to understand. And that is that a lot of people view charity as a sort of payoff to God. I mean, you know, God, you gave me all this money. I I better pay you back and Mm. give charity. And that isn't true. That's not correct. In the olden days, in the 17th and 16th centuries, pirates in uh, the Caribbean, not just a Disneyland ride, but they really were pirates. And uh, actually, a number of them were Jewish, but that's a different story. And um, the pirates used to have an interesting pattern. If they survived a long and happy career of robbery and rape and plunder and pillage, at the end of it all, when they were ready to retire, what they did is they usually donated enough money to build a church or to build a fine residence for the local bishop. And this was their ticket back into respectable society. And we use this phrase today. I uh, lament the phrase and I dislike it intensely, but you hear it again and again. Whenever a wealthy philanthropist endows a hospital or gives money to a school or whatever they do, uh, the commentators all say, oh, it's so wonderful to see him giving back to society. Now, that is a load of bilgewater, because if giving charity is giving back to society, what were you doing to society when you made your money in the first place? Ripping it off? And so you don't have to give back anything to anybody, because if you didn't win in a lottery, and you didn't hold up the local uh, grocery store and take away their money, then the only way you got that money is by serving other human beings. If you didn't defraud anybody, and if uh, you didn't mug a little old lady and take her pocketbook, then the only way you got that money is by pleasing another human being. I don't know the details because I don't know your life. Mm -hmm. But there's somebody out there, it might have been a customer, it might have been a client, it might have been a relative. It might Somebody gave that money to you totally voluntarily. You didn't point a gun at their face. And they gave it to you because whatever it was you did for them was more valuable than the money. Nobody forced them. They must have made that exchange voluntarily. And that's because you were delivering value to another one of God's children. That in itself is a worthy and high-quality action. What you do with the money is irrelevant. In other words, I've already served society by making the money in the first place. Got it. And it's really important to get that. So um, how to spend it or how, you know, the the degree to which we should save and invest, that's a totally different discussion. Mm -hmm. And uh, whether you should give 10% of your earnings to charity. Um, I would say yes, but not because it'll make God happy, because it'll make you happy. That's a great point. So do you feel that people that say more money, more problems, is that kind of an excuse for them to not not get up and and do something? Uh, Well, that's that's really good. First of all, I'll just comment on the way you phrased the question, do I feel 
that that is uh, so uh, my feelings are not worth anything at all they're no more significant than anyone else's feelings so i just want to stress that uh, i speak in facts not feelings and that's what we we really are talking about i mean hardly anything is more factual than money and that's really what we're talking about so your question is a good one and i answer it not on the basis of my feelings but strictly on the basis of my knowledge and my facts which is that yeah certainly people will sometimes try and evade responsibility many people do that and many people are also frightened of success now that's very commonly said oh you know he's not doing anything because he's frightened of succeeding but most of the times that doesn't really make a lot of sense when you hear how can anybody be frightened of the very thing he yearns for and so i wouldn't say that it's so much uh, that he's frightened of success but sometimes being frightened of what success entails yeah. and um, what is expected of him or her once success has been reached so i think people will very often talk themselves out of it by saying oh i'm not a money grubbing capitalist you know i'm a compassionate caring person and my response to that is well are you on the dole are you on welfare that's very nice so you don't make any money but you choose instead to live on the generosity of your fellow citizens and it's not always generosity because uh, many of us pay our taxes begrudgingly mutinously but we pay them we don't pay them with joy and delight like me i certainly don't i feel that my taxes are much too high too much of the money is wasted and i don't pay it willingly but i certainly don't feel warm and fuzzy towards people who are on welfare and who are living on my money because i want them to tell me what am i supposed to tell my children at christmas time or at holiday time as to why i don't have enough money to give them presents because i gave a whole lot of money so other people can live without working i know this isn't this isn't compassionate sounding but it truly is very compassionate no, and, and, and what we're talking about i love that you're matter of fact and that's how you come through in your book no well. you have to be yeah mm -hmm. and again if if getting money makes you warm and happy then welfare recipients should be the most cheerful happy most patriotic loving americans in the entire country but of course anyone with eyes in their head knows that that's simply not true getting money corrodes your soul which circles back to your main point of earning it is what earning it does wonders <laughs> for you wow. and so imagine two different students telling their teacher at the end of 12th grade what they're planning on doing and you know, the the young man gets up and says well i'm finished 12 years of high school and uh, i feel it's time for me to give back and so i'm going to um, work for the government i'm going to make my i'm going to be a public servant and then the girl next to him gets up and says well me uh i'm going to um build a software startup that will make me a millionaire before i'm 30 and the first case the guy everyone cheers for it sounds so wonderful i want to give back i'm going to do public service i'm going to go into government and for the girl at best everyone keeps quiet she might even get a few boos because she's so selfish sounding 
Right. And the truth is exactly the opposite. As far as the boy is concerned, all his statement does is make me clutch my wallet a little tighter. Because every single time another person goes to work for government, there are another 10 fingers in my wallet. How does his working for government improve my life? And so I'm not even getting anything out of it. So I don't like hearing what he said, but I love hearing what she said because the only way she gets my dollars is by delivering a most fabulous app to me that, that I love. And every time I use it, I get a warm feeling. And so the $15 I paid to the app store for it, I'm as happy as could be about that. I'm not at all as happy about paying for that same $15 in taxation. So when somebody is ambitious about making money, that makes for a better world for us all. Because the only way you get my money in that format is by pleasing me, because I have to give it to you voluntarily. But when you go to work for government, you get to take my money by force. Wow. So it, it makes a huge difference. And very often people think that they are sounding very filled with virtue by denying their interest in money. Yeah. It's dishonest and disingenuous and destructive. And so thank you for your insight on all of that, because you're reminding me of, again, of things that you talk about in your prior book. And it sounds like you have another book that you wanted to, I, I want you to talk about, and Thou Shall Prosper. So yeah. tell me the title and subtitle again, and a little bit about what it entails. Sure. It's called Thou Shall Prosper, The Ten Commandments for Making Money. And is and, that um, uh, along the lines of what you're talking about in the last few minutes? Well, there's certainly some of it there, but I drill down to the 10 basic principles. And, and here it is, you see, making money isn't just about knowledge. Because if it was, then everybody would go to the right courses and read the right books and listen to the right teachers, and then everyone would go and make money. But that's not true. Uh, significant revenue is generated not so much by what we know, but by what we are and what we do. And so in reality, a genuine guide to making money, such as my ten, the Thou Shall Prosper, the Ten Commandments for Making Money, doesn't tell you just a whole bunch of things. It's not a book of tricks. Here's how to trick other people out of their money so they can put it in your bank account. And it's, it's not like that at all. It is the uh, Ten Principles about becoming the kind of person whom people like to deal with mm. and about doing the right things and above all, doing them when they should be done. This may, sound, um, this may sound a little bit callous, but I'm speaking to myself as much as I am to you or to anybody else when I say that every single financial problem today is the result of a bad decision I made yesterday. Absolutely. There's nobody else to blame. If you're not sure who your biggest enemy is, check out the name on your driving license. And that's very, very true. I've had to know that uh, all I can control is my reactions to things. All I can control is how hard I work. I can't blame the market, blame other people, blame who the president is or not, or I can handle, handle my day. I can right, and it's, 
I recommend everybody to, to do this exercise and make no mistake, it is a very painful exercise. But go back in your life, think about major crossroads and find out which were the worst decisions you made that contributed to where you are today. Yeah. Now, where you are today is not where you have to be tomorrow. It's not hopeless or anything. But as soon as you really understand how much of your current predicaments are due to wrong decisions from the past, then you realize how dramatically you could change your future by making the right decisions from here on out. And that's really what uh, my book, Thou Shall Prosper, is all about. Basically, I ask the question which in good company is not asked. I ask the question that polite people never ask. I ask the question that everybody would like to know the answer to, which is, hey, is it true that Jews are disproportionately good with money? What? You can't say that. Well, yes, I can. And it's absolutely true. If you're not a recent immigrant from outer Mongolia, then you know that Jews are only one and a half percent of America's population. But the number of Jews on Forbes magazine's annual list of the 400 richest Americans, well, usually about uh, somewhere like 20% are Jews. So it's an overrepresentation by an order of magnitude. There has to be a reason for that. Mm -hmm. Maybe the reason is Jews rip people off and they just, you know, rob and cheat their way to the top. But if that were true, nobody would ever do business with Jews. And the truth is, most people go out of their way to try and do business with Jews because they know having a Jew for a partner is not a bad idea at all. Now, it doesn't mean to say there are no poor Jews, there are no stupid Jews. Of course there are. But in general, uh, this is a reality, and it's not because Jews cheat and, and rob. And so, you know, what is it? And the answer is because the Bible has been a close and uh, revered handbook to the Jewish people for over 2,000 years. And what I love, before we close out, I'm going to say that I love in the beginning of your book that you say it doesn't matter what your belief system is, doesn't matter what your religion is, you happen to be Jewish and others don't have to be. No, this is for everybody. And I remember you saying even every college student should read this book. It doesn't matter what your belief system is. You reference things from Hebrew language, from um, origin. And I remember those and I love that, but it really doesn't matter. And it's the lessons that you're teaching and what you're speaking to. No, that's exactly about. And it's not. Uh, I'd I'd love it if you'd let people know my website as well. That would be great. So please tell us where your book's available and if it's on Audible, because that's where I found Business Secrets from the Bible, and if it's yeah, on sure. Amazon. Yeah, sure. It's, uh, my, or everything's available at rabbidaniellappin.com. D-A-N-I-E-L-L-A-P-I-N, rabbidaniellappin.com. And uh, you can read much more about my work there. All right. And is it on Audible yet? When, uh, can I find um, as, it? As far, I should know the answer to that. I believe it is, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay. And my last question, because it was your voice on Audible, right? When I was listening to your book. Not my voice. Oh, it sounds like it. I was going to say. You mean on my my, uh, other book, Buried Treasure? Excuse me. Pardon me. Business Secrets from the Bible. 
That's the one on your board, right? Yes. Yeah. No, that one is available on Audible, and it's not my voice. I should have done the reading for it. I was invited to do it, and I just I said, you know what? I just don't have 25 hours free. I can't do it. You know, that's why I was going to ask you. So we'll talk about that offline because my book, I want to do an Audible. I want to put my voice on it, but I just don't know. The labor of, of putting a book together no, is I should have done quite it. a lot. I should have done it. If Over the course of a, a couple of years, I could have watched 25 hours worth less of videos on YouTube. I could have um, made better use of my time. Collapsing time, right? That's what I'm always trying to do. So, yeah, right. well, thank you so much, Rabbi, for You're being welcome. With us. Pleasure talking with you. I want to wish you lots and lots of success, both in your personal productivity on a family level and also on your business level. Thank you so much. Thanks again. Thanks, everybody. Until next time. Tiffany Rose is the author of the best-selling book, The Universe is Speaking, available on Amazon. Tiffany has a gift just for you that will help you line out daily goals for creating your ideal universe. Go to TiffanyRoseFreeGift.com and also subscribe to the Mortgage and Mindset in Minutes podcast. Tell your friends and family about Mortgage and Mindset in Minutes with Tiffany Rose. Thanks for listening.